0: You know, how you're working on the project The Dead of the Irish Revolution. Can I ask you to explain a little bit about the project and what drew you to the project in the first place? Well, the aim of the project in some way, what seems a very simple thing, which is to work out how many people died as a result of Irish political violence uh, between, uh, with this volume between January 1919 and December 1921 because of the, the inadequacy of many records. All sorts of technical things like the same name being spelled differently in different sources. The flawed memory of many people because of biased documentation where there is any. It's often quite hard, but it's been very challenging. But we're, we now have a rough, roughly robust figures like, like divided by county for that period. Um, what kind of sources would you use to, to determine the figure? Well, an obvious cor- cor- source, an important source, particularly for, for local historians as well, is newspapers. But newspapers then, as now, are themselves quite problematic, uh, particularly as regards issues like spelling, Sometimes they report somebody who's wounded, but times of intense conflict, there are so many people wounded that sometimes they will go on to say that they're dead. That's particularly so for military casualties, for example. A soldier might be gravely wounded in Roscommon. By the time he dies, a couple of weeks later, you know the Roscommon newspaper has moved on to other tragedies and so on. That's one problem. There's other problems which arise from, for example, where somebody may die and the family have always maintained that it was directly as a result of being imprisoned, for example. Uh, indeed, my own grandfather from County Down ultimately died of disease which the family always maintained he, he had got about one of his periods of internment or whatever, uh, but in that case it was, he died you know, 21 years, 22 years after, the last time he'd been in prison, so it's obviously absurd to count him as a fatality, even though in the family narrative his death is linked directly to what he experienced. There's also problems to do with determining who the people who die are. It's relatively easy to work out who policemen are, regular policemen and soldiers and so on, because by and large they have regimental numbers or they have service numbers and so on, and their deaths are, are generally relatively well documented. It's extremely difficult, however, in regard to one category of soldier, which is to say soldiers who were picked up by the IRA and say they are deserters of whom there's a good number, particularly in County Cork. And in that case, the military may never count them as killed. They may count them as missing or more likely as deserters. In many cases, they probably were deserters. Uh, Whereas from the IRA perspective, they very often capture these people, decide to kill them, kill them, bury them. And sometimes there's no trace of these people left. On the civilian side, it's generally but not always possible to be sure of who killed who. It's most difficult in, in Belfast City where you've got a lot of sectarian violence and a lot of shooting on like a sectarian basis. Somebody shoots down a Catholic street, God knows who they hit. Somebody shoots down a Protestant street, God knows who they hit. And in those cases, it's very hard to know Because there's a lot of crossfire. Who is responsible for particular deaths? Mm -hmm. And these deaths matter. You know, these it may be Mary Murphy, whom no one outside the family remembers now, but they matter to individual families just as much as the deaths. Big IRA figures are, you know, Field Marshal Wilson, June 1922, or whatever. Every death counts for somebody. I just got an email at the weekend from a woman in England looking for details of the burial of her grandfather. Now, by extraordinary coincidence, her grandfather, who was an Arab black and tan, was killed outside Tipperary Town on the 13th of November 1920. Now, that ambush was organized by my grandfather, who did the intelligence for it, his brother, Colm Maloney, as well as senior brigade officers, and so on. So, you have a link there immediately between a descendant of somebody who helped to do the deed and a descendant of somebody who's simply trying to find out what happened to her grandfather and where he's buried. Mm-hmm. And uh, we usually split the Irish Revolution, as we're calling it these days, into three chapters, like the Easter Rising, the War of Independence and the Civil War. Does the project take in all of those phases? Uh, yeah, it, it does. 1916 in some ways stands out as a separate kind of conflict. For example, there was no killing of informers in 1916. An awful lot of civilians who died in 1916, basically in quite indiscriminate shooting, and particularly shooting and shelling. It's very hard a lot of the time in 1916 to determine uh, who's, by whose agency somebody died. And I think I need to, we need to do more research on 1916 generally, even though the, the absolute figures are fairly well known. What are the figures for 1916? It's just under 500, mm. right? Of whom the great majority are, are civilians and the great majority of, of all casualties there occur uh, in Dublin City. But to take the period thereafter... Obviously, the most intense period, period of violence it is from the autumn 1920 until July 1921. But the guns don't stop firing uh, with the truce. for Deaths continue, and it's not only deaths where, for example, the RAC continue to be targeted. They're still killing in, in the north, what has become Northern Ireland. But you also have accidental deaths arising from, you know, because the IRA are still training, the military are still there. A lot of soldiers get killed by accidents, guns going off and so on and a fair few uh, IRA men also get killed in that way or by grenades exploding. After the truce, the IRA is, still, is trying to build up and train and train and therefore it's, opportunities for accidents happen and also the, a, a certain academic in some, in some areas and a certain willingness to pursue grudges, if you like, against Crown forces is still there. So Ireland remains a reasonably violent place. To the end of my study, which is December 21, it continues in that vein of sporadic and sometimes quite serious violence in the early months of 1922, leading up to obviously to the uh, the outbreak of civil war at the end of June. Mm-hmm. And do you have a, a round number for the Orban independence? My count of fatalities is about 2141, obviously going to be only perhaps 97 or 8% right. I don't think I've included deaths, which shouldn't be included, but there may be some deaths I've missed. For example, in Cork, it's clear, in 1921, that a good number of people, I guess it could be as high as 30, simply don't appear in the records. They appear sometimes in Irish narratives as spy was caught and executed, or British soldier caught and executed and body buried, but they were never listed formally as missing. The same for some civilians, and they just have disappeared. And I know this controversy, particularly Jerry Mur- Murphy's very interesting 2010 book. The year of disappearances has caused a lot of controversy, but I think the underlying point that Jeremy makes, which is that a number of people, other than those we know about, were plainly taken by the IRA or by Republicans and killed and their bodies disposed of, and those bodies have never been found, and in many cases these people were never sought.